Football season. Yay, Vikings. Still going to lose? <laughs> well, they look good last night. But. Every fall, when you think of sports like that and football, the fall, people gather together, students gather together with your high school, college, professional, and they begin those first at least the first few days, the first weeks, when you think back as to what they focus on in those early practices, and I think it's this, it's back to the basics. There's that rehearsing of the things that every position, and you can go to any sport, whether it's skating or basketball, golf, whatever, there's this idea that we can forget the basics and actually kind of lose some things over time. Matter of fact, I actually think believe that that's true of a marriage as well. I've worked with marriages a lot over the years, and, and even there, you listen to couples, and I feel like so many of them have dropped the basics of, of what brought, brought them together. You think back of the dating days and just kind of the whole engagement period and there's all of this time and talking and effort and somehow those basic things in a marriage even begins to just fade away. But I submit to you that that can also happen within a church. That we can lose the basics on what our purpose is as a church. Last Sunday, we stepped out of the Sermon on the Mount for a few weeks, really to call us back to some of those basics. And, and last week, we wrestled with the question, why does the church exist? And there are a couple pieces to that answer, and one of them was this, that God is calling out a people to be his people, his bride, a holy nation, those terms, for his praise and his glory. But he's also inviting us to something else there we looked at last week, this idea he's inviting us to return our love to him. See, through the great commandment, he wants us to love him with our heart, soul, mind, our will. And then the second part of that commandment, he invites us to love one another. And it's really a response out of his calling us and his loving us that we are called to do something. And just for review for last week, if you weren't here, a couple applications, I'll put it on the screen here. We are to become expressions of his love, helping others experience it. And then that second one that really is maybe a little more pointed, we are to become a vessel that is used in disciple-making to help others come to know and embrace Christ. And at the heart of those two statements really is the Great Commission. And I want, I want to put that verse, Matthew 28, 28 on the screen again and, and just read that. We didn't use it last Sunday, but look at how it reads. After the, ascension, or after the resurrection, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. See, as we respond to his love, as that there's a call on our lives to not just sit there and go, oh God, you love me, but there's an action involved to go to make disciples. 
If we love, one of the things that needs to happen is that going and making disciples becomes a compassion or a compulsion in our hearts. We will become a vessel that God can use to help others know, embrace Christ, to love Christ, and even for them to turn around and fulfill that same mission in their life. But here's, I think here's the deal. As a pastor, I think elders, churches, church members, attenders, we can forget and lose focus and lose that vision. So today, today is about the fundamentals, the basics. And I want to come back and review those four words that are written, that are painted up on our wall in the foyer. It's belonging, it's believing, it's becoming and bringing. Those four words are the summary of what it means to make disciples. It's the substance, the the, the flesh and the bones of how we go about the process of helping other people come to know and follow Christ. Now, on the back of your bulletins here, just remind you again, We've been using an illustration, and you should just take a peek at that. And just we've been using that analogy of a baseball game, and the idea that we really we move around. The goal is to move around to those four bases, and that first base we notice is the word belonging. And there's a couple aspects to that idea of belonging. And if you're taking notes again in the bulletin, I said it this way: disciples, a true disciples, belong to Christ. Think of Jesus going down to the Sea of Galilee and he, and he calls out the disciples and his guys, come and follow me. And what did that imply? It implied this, that they really were going to spend time with him. They were going to be with him. They were going to learn from him. They were going to grow with him. There was this understanding that they were going to walk with him, belong to him for a season where he was going to train them and release and let them go. But there's another aspect of discipleship here, that belonging issue here. And the second one on for your notes, I said this way, disciples belong to each other. Now, I want to use a, a short text really to even link the two together. First John chapter 4, I'll, I'll put that on the screen. I think it's in your notes there. Look how it goes. Beloved, if God so loved us, We also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. And by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. This verse, these verses, links the idea of belonging to Christ really to this idea of belonging to each other and and for a purpose. Verse 13, by this, what is it talking about there? It's referring back to 11 and 12, and it's really the basis of, of, of belonging, and it's we ought to love one another. See, John isn't saying this is just a good idea. Oh, by the way, if it works, do this. It's it's not optional. It's very strong. We ought to love one another. Matter of fact, if you look at that verse closely, those verses, you'll find that loving one another is the evidence 
that one actually belongs to Christ. But this is really at the heart of the great commandment, that second part of the great commandment. If God loved us, we are, go, we are to go and love our neighbor, love each other. See, that's the context of God wanting to do something in us and, and action that's called for in, in our lives. But practically, how do we fulfill the call to love without really knowing each other? Without knowing each other's needs, the struggles. See, we really can't love like John is talking about here. And it's one of the reasons why we promote community groups, those groups that really meet together, they eat together, they look to bless other people together. But it's this idea that we get to know one another to a place where you actually can practically fulfill that command to love each other. But it's like a family. This belonging at the heart is like a family. And as a church, we know that it can be messy at times. And guess what? This phrase, blood is thicker than water. Do you realize that we really are blood brothers and sisters? Through Christ, his blood. See, that's the power of loving each other. It's because of Christ. But I think the challenge for us is that we, we, we just we don't do it. We want to sit back and wait. But look at verse 13 again. If we love one another, God abides in us. And then it says this, his love is perfected in us. Now, do you catch what's happening there? As we love one another, God's love is perfected in us. What is it doing? It's spurring transformation within our lives. His love perfected us. The spiritual growth that takes place is in the context of loving one another. God's love is being perfected. His work is being done as we love people. And I think the challenge for us is we are so trapped in a, a Western culture a mindset that says learning, knowledge, is really where spiritual maturity is at. And you go, no, it's about God's love being able to flow in us and out to people. See, that's really the issue in transformation. But I need to give you a couple maybe hard truths here. Because one of the challenges of the church in belonging, there's a number of them, and I picked really two, but one of them is this for your notes. We want loving each other in the body of Christ to be convenient. We want convenience. And somehow we've adopted this idea, and I recognize it's the pace of life and all the things that are going on, that everything should come first over our relationships within the body of Christ and how it plays out over the last 20-plus years of of pastoral ministry for me, I've seen over and over again, people will commit to a group and then they go, it's optional. They sign up for a group and go, well, maybe if I like it this time or if I feel right. And if the disciples were here, they would go, are you kidding me? That kind of commitment? See, the early church was, they were committed to belong to each other and they knew they had to love each other. Matter of, for, matter of fact, I, I think we don't understand the degree 
that Jesus emphasized this idea of loving each other that he passed on to, uh, to John. Look at Matthew chapter 12, a very difficult text. Look what it says. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands toward his disciples, he said, Here's my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Folks, these are hard words. See, loving each other isn't about convenience or when there's an opening. And it's not just about this issue of, well, you know what, if I got a whole bunch of family things going on, then that's it. What's he saying here? He's not dismissing the family connections at all. He knew that there needs to be honoring mom and dad. And those are important. But what's he doing? He's raising the importance of the body loving each other, of being involved with each other, just like family. But the challenge over the years is that we've lifted up the family, and the family, frankly, at times, have become an idol in our culture. And it hurts the church. It hurts the discipleship process. But there's another I think another truth here that so that pushes against loving each other and that kind of belonging. And, and the second one for your notes, I said it this way: we often allow the quest for happiness to replace the joy of being in relationship. There is great joy when real relationship takes place. But guess what? All of the other stuff gets in the way. We got to have the latest iPhone. Just think of that name, that phone, the iPhone. We could change it to the me phone. But other things, we got to have the best boat. We have just to have the right house. And, and this is where we keep believing that those things is where meaning is found in our lives. Real recently, Somebody was referred, called me up and wanted to meet, and it was actually a referral from a friend in Brainerd, and uh, they were connected to somebody up here, and they showed up in my office, and it didn't take very long to figure out that the quest for all of this stuff and where meaning was found literally blew up their relationship in this marriage. Their quest for happiness and the stuff of the kids' activities, just they just went this way in a marriage. And it exploded. See, what is our source of meaning? Can we actually have that through relationships? And I would argue, yes. That was God's intent, even from the very beginning of time. But beyond belonging, there's another one there on the wall. Believing. And there's two points for your notes. I said, disciples must believe God and disciples must believe his word. And those two are linked deeply. God speaks to us through, through his word. But this idea of believing God is really about walking by faith, especially when hard things come along. We have to stop and go, this life is not going to be smooth all the time. This isn't our home, by the way. We've got another home. 
But things happen in this world. Persecution comes. Bad things happen. Disease comes. Family and friends get trapped in sin. And we're still called to believe God and say that God is good. He's in control. And I want to show you a text that just screams this out. That God is good and He's in He wants what's best for us. Look at Psalm 91. I'm just going to pick a few verses out there. But look how it goes in verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, who trust God, that's trusting God, will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my safety, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him in every circumstance. For he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. And look how he ends verse 14. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. See, God is for us. I will protect those who trust in my name, who believe me. And when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. Just a profound text on the faithfulness and the goodness of God. That we can walk in darkness. Disease can come along. And he declares, I'm with you. I'll protect you. I care for you. See, we must believe we got to go from belonging, but we got to believe God as we become a disciple of Him. But there's another, another basic one that we got to focus on here, that, that idea of becoming. Disciples become more and more like Christ. And it's one of our goals, even as we learn, look to teach people, and I'm going to invite Heather Fleischer up here, and I just want her to comment a little bit about some of her wishes as we look to as we look to start Kids Rock here this fall. One of the things we want is transformation in the lives of kids. So Heather, what do you want to see happen? Um, <clears throat> I had some prep time, so I've been able to think about this. I really, really want our kids to want to be here at church. I want them to want to come and learn about Jesus' love. I want them to come and learn about being disciple makers. Um, I think that is so important. I think that's the beginning of building community for them at their age. Um, <clears throat> I also want um, for them to make connections with adults in that are in our church because I think that as they get older, the more connections they have to people in the church, the better it is. And I said in first service, third graders still kind of like everybody, but fifth graders are starting to be like, oh, I, I might give you some trust, but I don't know about you. And I really want them to have some people in our church that they can really start turning to as they become adolescents and, and, um, and getting older. So with that being said, we do need help at Kids Rock. 
Um, I'd love for us to have at least two people in each classroom, whether it's team teaching, taking turns, or someone being a leader and someone being a helper. Right now we have one um, in each room. And um, so if, if God has laid it on your heart that Wednesdays are a day that you could serve, we would love to have you. Um, if you don't like little kids or don't know much about little kids, that's okay. We do. <laughs> we'll take you. We'll help you. It's, it's fun. Um, so please think about that and, um, and give me a call if you'd like to volunteer. How can we pray for you? Um, I think praying for the kids, first of all, would be great in their families. As families start to prioritize at the beginning of school, that is so hard to kind of start deciding where you're going to lay your time. And I know I have little kids too, so it's, you know, you, you need a night home. And I just pray that we can pray, we can all pray for the families as they start prioritizing for their kids. And then for the leaders who are getting involved and, and getting started, this is a busy time of year for us. So to pray for us and that we can um, be ready for the kids and prepared to um, start just showing them God's love. Yeah. I want to pray for Heather here. Father, we, uh, I just pray for, thank you for Heather's willingness to lead and to serve here in this ministry. And Lord, even as she shared the idea that uh, we want kids to belong and they want to want to be here. And Lord, the other need is for adults to connect to students, to, to come alongside of those young children and love them and care for them and to build into their lives. And Lord, that's what we're really talking about today. So Lord, I would just pray for a blessing in the hearts of those children as they begin this ministry here in a few weeks, that you would just use it for their transformation, that they would come to know you if they don't know you. I pray for their salvation. Lord, if they have have put their faith in you already, Lord, I would ask for transformation in their hearts as well. So, Lord, just give Heather the wisdom to know how to lead well. And, and Lord, I pray for people that might respond and be, be willing to come alongside of these little kids and care for them and love them and disciple them. So I give uh, kids rock to you, and may you honor it this year and bless it for your kingdom and your glory. These things we pray in your name. Amen. Thanks, Heather. See, we want little kids, students, we want transformation to take place. We want them to become like Christ. And I want to just point out real briefly a text here this morning that really points to this issue of transformation. Second Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to read through and I'm going to stop kind of and make some comments on the way through, but we're going to start in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, the word of God there, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. See, he's inviting us to participate, to be in him, to be in Christ. Why? Because we've escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. See, we are partakers of the divine nature because the Holy Spirit, if we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the divine nature within us, the Holy Spirit. But look, keep going here. He, he begins to build, and, and by the way, you're going to see a building thing taking place here. Verse 5, for this reason, we're partakers of Christ. Make every effort to su supplement your faith with virtue. Now, that word virtue literally means moral excellence. 
It's really what people see on the outside. And here's the challenge. I think many times we stop there. And in parenting, we almost too often we stop there as well. But that's kind of the ground floor here of this passage. Because beyond virtue, he wants to add a second one there in that phrase, and to virtue, knowledge. Now, now what's this word about? It really is this. It's spiritual wisdom. It's not just information put in our brains. It's about taking that which is true and actually applying it to our lives. Because the challenge is, again, we we so think that knowledge is where it's at, but if knowledge is not applied with with wisdom, knowledge really is useless. It's got to be put into action if knowledge is going to be used. But it doesn't stop there. There's a third floor. And it says this, and knowledge, after knowledge, we need to move towards self-control. Now, interesting word because the self-control, because it's talking about the passions that are within us. Lust. Those deeper desires within us. I, I think of James 4, what causes quarrels and fights among you, does it not this? That the battles that rage within you, within us. See, deep within us, there's this battle going on with the flesh of, of wanting to, to change our passions. But But... The challenge, I look at this and go, we have a world out there that teaches basically this, let your passions run wild. It doesn't matter. Marriage isn't sacred anymore. Just live together. It doesn't make any difference. Matter of fact, you look at television and even the like sexting, all of those things. The world promotes it. He goes, no problem. It's okay. Parents, think of the app Snapchat. Does anybody even know what that is? A number of you do. For you that don't know, Snapchat is an app where you can send a picture or a message and it will disappear in after you open it somewhere, I don't know, 10, 20 seconds. And why is it created? to hide information and pictures so no one else will see it. Parents, you need to find out. Some of your kids are going, hmm. But that's the world. That's deep within the passions that the world is saying, just go for it. And Peter's going, no. But beyond that, look at the next one, next floor here. Steadfastness, self-control with steadfastness. What's that about? It's this idea of endurance. When things get hard, there's this maintaining, really it's about believing God. Oh, he's trustworthy, things are going, it's difficult, but there's this endurance that we can walk by faith and not by sight. And then another floor, he builds it even more, and he goes, with steadfastness? include godliness. Now, this is an interesting one because it's a little bit narrower here. It's the idea of respecting, standing in awe of God. God becomes bigger, more important in our lives. But but you notice here just a subtle shift. He's gone from the internal qualities of our lives and now he includes God in the picture. 
of this movement of transformation. But then look at verse 7 here. And to godliness, add brotherly affection. This word, it's named after a city, Philadelphia. It means brotherly love. It's the idea that we're able to love one another with friendship and care and concern with each other like brothers and sisters. And then it adds one more floor. And add to brotherly affection, he uses this word love again, but actually this is the word agape love. This is the top floor here. See, it's a Greek word which means totally unconditional. With no strings attached, we're able to give love. But you see the building here? It starts out in the importance of moral actions, and then it just keeps building, and, the, and, and the, it reaches the, kind of the top floor is the ability to love unconditionally with no strings attached. See, that's the goal of transformation. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 13, let me just read how it's so important. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, and this is agape love, folks, I gain nothing. Did you catch that? Transformation is growing in all of these things, but the kind of the, the icing on the cake is this ability to love, like 1 Corinthians 13. But then look how he ends it in verse 8, how Peter writes. Look how it goes. But if these qualities are yours and are increasing, catch that? They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To, to, to stop there just a second, if these are growing in us, guess what happens? Effectiveness. We actually have impact, even on other people. But for those who lack these qualities, verse 9, is so nearsighted that he is blind. See, I, I think we can think that we can walk through and have a, a Christian life without these qualities. And Peter's going, no, it's impossible. You're going to be ineffective. That last phrase, having forgotten what he was cleansed from his former sins. They lost the vision for what godliness and really what it meant to be walking with Christ. See, the journey of a disciple is the journey of a changed life. And it has the breath of starting out, yeah, with the moral actions, but it ends up going through wisdom, endurance, controlling our passions to Philadelphia love, our brother and sister, and then all of a sudden we love well with no strings attached. That's transformation. That's heading to third base on that baseball diamond. But there's another base. Out on the wall, we have it painted, bringing. See, I said it this way, disciples bring Christ to the world in which we live. That is one aspect of that bringing. It's going home, from, or going from third to home. God works in us, and he's, he's moving us in, into a, a better place in the transformation. But here's, I think, what happens. We get to third base, and then so often we stop 
And we go, oh, I got to, it's, but it's like this. We get to third. Oh, I got to third. Yay, I got to third, got to third. And you go, it really doesn't count until it gets home. See, that's a challenge in discipleship. There's got to be that action, another step. And really, it's about other people. So it's this idea that we're called to bring Christ to the world. A couple weeks ago in Sermon on the Mount, we we looked at salt and light. Salt flavoring the, the things around us. Light being a shining witness to the people that God is loving us. He's looking to meet us, care for us. So we're to engage the world. But, but here's where i, I got to connect back to that Second Peter text. Because I, I think we, we think this. I'm just going to, witnessing and bringing people Christ, I'm just going to live a good moral life. And I go, it's got to be more than that. It really does. Think even the next floor up, wisdom. Do you realize the opportunities as we begin to apply wisdom and become people who can use it and the benefit of engaging the world with wisdom? Another marriage that's hurting, a family that's struggling, somebody's struggling. We have applied application coming out of our mouths that can actually speak to their issues. See, that's the wisdom. We can use that. But think about even the issue of our passions, controlling the passions in front of people. We become people that are slow to speak, quick to reconcile, quick to forgive. And when other people see that, they stand kind of in awe of it and go, there's something different about you. But we have to be transformed to actually do that. It's about seeing them even seeing our love for each other, even in a phileo way and an agape way. It's them watching us and that we, they see a commitment to the body of Christ, to loving other people. Other people wonder and they want. Matter of fact, let me show you from John 17 how it is so important, even in this area of bringing. Look how it, John writes here, I do not ask for these only. He's, he's, Jesus is praying here in the upper room, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all be one. Who's that? That's us. That we would be one. That's that belonging. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe. We become one. The world begins to believe that you sent me. And then 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as they would be one just like, Father, you and me. And then 23, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. The love, you ought to love one another to be perfectly one. And look at, look at how it fits with bringing, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, the world, even as you love me. So you see how even belonging is connected to bringing As we belong, you come around third base and they see your love for each other and they're enticed by God's love. We are called to bring the love of God to the world, to bring the gospel to the world. 
That's our mission. But there's another process of bringing in discipleship. And I said it this way for your notes. Disciples bring others into the discipleship process. It's, it's really what we talked about last week in terms of presenting each other complete in Christ. It involves our gifts, our abilities, the ability to serve and to make disciples. It invites us to love people in a way that we're actually used to transform somebody else's heart and to propel other people around the baseball diamond. And you think of young adults or children and youth and people who are just beginning to go around that diamond. People need to go with them. It was never meant to go around that baseball diamond alone. That's the challenge for us as a church. To get and take somebody else around. It's why those DNA groups are so important of men meeting with men and women with women. To be in a relationship where we're helping each other go around the diamond. But even, parents, i got to speak to you, directly to you here. we got to catch this as parents, is that your primary role as a parent is not to get your son or daughter educated or get them to be a great athlete or band person or whatever you want to put it in terms of activity. The highest goal for a parent has to be discipleship, period. And by helping them belong to a body, you're beginning a journey around that baseball diamond. When you help them believe that God is God and He's trustworthy, and that involves conversations with them, and it involves working with them so they understand the transformation process. But it also points to us of saying, how do we help our kids become bringers? That has to be within our goal, not just nice Christian kids. That's not the highest goal for our lives. And, and, and the challenge that I have as I look around, and, you know, and I have to confess this, parenting is probably more difficult than any other time that I've ever seen. It, it really is. i I, I got to say that. But I'm convinced that discipleship of children has really taken a back seat to becoming an all-star or get a good education in some form. And I want my kids to be educated. I want them to do sports. But not at the expense of being a disciple of Christ. But, but parents, here's where i got to go push it one step farther. I have grandkids. And listen to this closely. What's your future even if you don't have grandkids, what your future grandchildren will do with Christ in large part depends on what your son or your daughter does in becoming a disciple of Christ. Because there's a generational thing in discipleship. And I think we want to talk away that point, but understand this, you go back to Exodus where it talks about the sins of the father visiting third, fourth generations. And if negative influence can go from generation to generation, why can't disciple-making go from generation to generation? See, that's where we got to end up. What is the goal of our kids and our grandkids? I want my kids to be training their children, my grandkids, to become bringers, to become 
belonging, believing, becoming, and bringing. I want my granddaughters and my grandsons to be missionaries. I don't care if they go overseas or not. I want them at the heart to be somebody who's influencing for the kingdom of heaven. But, but the challenge for us collectively, what's getting in our way? And, and how do we go about belonging more effectively, believing and becoming and bringing? And, and guys, the challenge is we sit on the sidelines too often and we got to get in the game and we got to get down on the field and go, maybe I got to start belonging. Maybe I got to start believing better. I got to learn the Word of God. Maybe I got to start taking serious what it means of God wanting to work in my heart. And then becoming a bringer of multiplication, not just addition, multiplication. It's what I want from my kids. But what is getting in our way? Do we really believe? that that great commission is an option. Did the disciples, at the end of, as he was ready to get it, go to heaven, did they really go, nice suggestion, Jesus. This is optional, isn't it? We're just going to huddle up together and be a nice group. Go, no. They said, go. And, and you recognize Jesus scattered them intentionally. Why? To impact that whole world. And he's calling us to this same process of so leaning into Christ that we make a difference for the kingdom of heaven. And we walk alongside of people and we grow in our transformation that we become more effective. i got to quit. Let's pray.